Hello, and welcome to the Heart of Equity podcast from the Heartland chapter of the National Association of Health Services Executives, also known as NASI. I'm your host, Pleasant Bradford Jr. I am a health equity professional, a healthcare leader, and a member of the NASI Heartland chapter. On this episode, we're talking to Andre Blackman, founder and CEO of Onboard Health. The company helps healthcare companies recruit diverse candidates. Andre is also a mentor for the Techstar Startup Incubator and an advisory board member for Mayo Clinic for social media. His work and insights have been featured in Fortune, Forbes, NPR, and the U.S. News and World Report. In 2020, Forbes recognized him as one of the 40 under 40 in healthcare. Before we get started, we'd like to thank Care Content, our partner for producing this podcast. Care Content is a full-service digital marketing agency that helps healthcare organizations create a web presence that reaches their audiences. If your health system needs help with digital marketing, website redesigns, or social media, please visit carecontent.com. Now, let's get into our discussion with Andre Blackman, the founder of Onboard Health. Welcome to the podcast, Andre. How's it going? Doing well, Pleasant. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Well, we're excited to dive into this topic. There's been a huge push for more diverse talent in healthcare, as you know. Was there something in your personal life that sparked this passion for starting Onboard Health? Absolutely. <laughs> I'll give the, the quick story of how Onboard Health got started. But essentially, I, you know, for the past 15 or so years, I've been plugged into public health and healthcare innovation and that sort of thing, too. Early on in this career journey, I've been able to meet up with so many different kinds of people who are building the future. And one of the things that I got a chance to do in 2016 was to give the commencement address back in my alma mater at the University of Maryland School of Public Health. And at that point, you know, had done things like built Pulse and Signal and was writing about the intersection of healthcare and public health and tech and social. There was this intersection of the social terms of health and traditional medicine and innovation, that sort of thing, too. There's a lot of value being placed on startups and digital health and things of that nature, too. But one of the things I did not see was a lot of representation at a lot of these kind of companies. And it led me to start asking questions around leadership and finding the right kind of talent for these organizations. And a lot of things that I kept hearing was that we know it's important, we just don't know where to go, or we're trying, or we're not getting what we need. And that's when I really started thinking about the future of the workforce that was going to be building the future of health, particularly from a diversity and inclusion lens. And that was kind of the the seed for Ombre Health to get started. That's amazing. Like you said, Black professionals exist. It's just a matter of doing the work to find us. As you know, more Black professionals want to address disparities in the health sector as an entrepreneur, but they're hesitant to leave their nine-to-five job. Why do you think that is? Particularly uh, for many of us as Black professionals, you know, we were taught and pretty much just indoctrinated to need to have safety around our careers and our jobs, right? I mean, We have mouths to feed. We have people that depend on us. And stability, you know, allows for that. Trading our time and our expertise for paychecks and things of that nature, too. Like, that's always the thing, right? Having a job. Where are you working, right? You graduate from college. Where is a job? So I think there's a foundation around that as well. But then also, on one hand, we have seen a lot of an uptake in entrepreneurship from people being laid off, right? And oftentimes just not having a choice but to build something else. 
But on the other hand, a lot of us have seen the devastation that comes when there is no income. That's a lot of pressure, right? And, you know, on top of that, right? I mean, I think this country has seen um, an explosion around mental health, um, you know, the crises around that. And so, you know, all those things are swirling around where we might have an idea or a concept, but do we know where to go right after that, right? So lack of clarity on next steps. Do we have the right people around us to support us? Am I living paycheck to paycheck or just barely kind of moving forward? So there's all sorts of different barriers around that too um, that I feel have caused hesitation around jumping on out and they're all valid. That's true. Well, I want to talk about the current landscape of healthcare organizations, and I'm sure the audience knows there are many health organizations and advocacy groups with the sole mission of fixing health equity. Why aren't the current institutions enough? Hmm. I think the first thing that pops into my head is that the current framework of healthcare and medicine was built off of, you know, exclusion by design, right? I mean, it's literally built as an engine around acute care and then tying revenue to that. So literally the engines in our country have been built around having certain people having access to care and a very kind of acute focus um, versus kind of what we're seeing right now, which is, you know, a systemic, you know, view of the social determinants and how do we prevent, how do we bring, you know, the community in. And so I think one part of that answer is that we're fighting against something that's been around for a very long time. And not only that, but it's been working for the people who have designed it for a very long time. And so in the grand scheme of things, um, we're just kind of like a blip on the timeline now where we're starting to open up the doors to new ways of thinking. So I think that's one piece. The other part of it has to do with kind of the drivers around support and sustainability. You know, 2020 hit, the George Floyd murder drop, and then everybody was talking about we need more diversity in our in our organizations. There were memos and sticky notes all over the place in corporate America, right? But as you and I both know, like that dries up really quickly, A, when the leadership is not actually dedicated and devoted to it for the long haul, and B, when there's not enough resources dedicated to making it uh, sustainable as well. And so, you know, as we saw a lot of chief diversity officers come and go, get burnt out, have their roles eliminated or redistributed. The same thing is happening around health equity, right? That became a really hot topic, still is, which is great. But once again, where is this role sitting? Where is the department having resources and, you know, support from leadership? You know, there's a number of factors to it, but I think that last part, those first and the, the first and third parts really around what we're facing as far as the, the bigger picture, but then also do enough people even know um, what health equity is, right? We're still kind of disconnecting it from DEI work. Also, how do we write, find the right kinds of people and the resources to move that forward? So um, I think those are some of the problems that we're facing right now. I want to continue on this topic of health equity. One of the most important ways healthcare organizations can support health equity is by using more Black-owned businesses as vendors. And we on the Heart of Equity podcast, we have a Buy Black Vendor Spotlight where we highlight Black vendors and businesses. What challenges are many of these health organizations and institutes facing with supplier diversity today? I mean, and this is something that that I've been, you know, uh, leading onboard health has have seen quite a bit of and even like the requirements to get into these organizations to become, you know, um, a supplier or a partner. Right. The amount of hoops, paperwork. I mean, obviously, like we all need to make sure everything's legit and, and, you know, whatever. But some of it is just kind of over the top. And then once again, 
that doesn't promise any kind of forward movement. There's so many different hands. It can almost be daunting, you know, especially going back to what we were talking about before when we have, you know, new entrepreneurs. But, you know, if you haven't built enough skin in the game too, it can be a little bit daunting uh, to get in there. If you don't have the right leaders inside these organizations that can actually advocate, sponsor, um, but also like really help to, you know, embed, you know, you as a company or as a supplier inside the organization, it can be really tough sometimes too. And this goes back to educating leadership to understand like why this is important. This is not a kumbaya philanthropic kind of situation, right? And oftentimes like that's the label that comes in. How prepared is the organization internally to use you as a supplier? Like you said, it's not kumbaya philanthropic. (laughs) (laughs) It requires money. Exactly. Well, I want to go back to the the title of this episode, which is Should You Just Quit? Fixing Health Equity Through Entrepreneurship. We were very intentional about this title. And the question that I have for you is, should Black professionals just quit? And is that the best way to fix health equity issues? Or are there better ways for us to fix health equity issues? This is a, a loaded question, but one that I that I like having conversations around. Let me back up a little bit. So once again, fixing health equity or like addressing it, you know, doing it well. Some of the things that we, you know, kind of talked about is education. On the entrepreneur side, the potential entrepreneur, the change maker side, right? Understanding that there are certain engines in place that you need to understand. You know, sometimes we see a problem, we're like, yeah, we're going to do this. And then, especially in healthcare, we'll run smack into a wall of what I call um, delusion (laughs) oftentimes, not necessarily only on the entrepreneur side, but also on the other side, right? Like, you know, once again, the people that are saying one thing, right? And this this is kind of like a kind of notion inside of sales period, like people can say what they want, but is that what they need? Sometimes that's not the case. So you might be meeting them with what they're saying. That's actually not what they need, right? So the education piece on your end is going to be really important as far as who you're selling to, who you're talking to, things of that nature too, if you're actually kind of changing it. But then the bigger piece around education is, once again, do the leaders and the kind of people even understand what health equity is, um, what's at stake, what the opportunities are, and then are you going to be the person to educate them? The other piece is looking at, you know, how we build better solutions is, you know, strategic partnerships. Health equity is not just a healthcare thing. We're actually looking at a lot of root causes, you know, in a lot of other domains, right? Access to care, literacy, economic levers and development. That's probably the biggest one. Jobs and job opportunities. And, you know, once again, you can get deeper into like, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? You know, people need shelter, they need food, they need to feel like they're actually, you know, building towards something. Um, And that's, that's some of the stuff that, you know, we can talk about when it comes to health equity, just kind of being broader in scope. So the other piece I would say is preneurship is needed. <laughs> um, and, and the reason why I say that is because there's entrepreneurship, right, where you're kind of building and starting your own thing. And I think that can be very you know, valuable. And then there's entrepreneurship as well. And so I, I bring that up mainly because there are actually great companies and organizations that have the resources, that have the willingness of leaders to learn and then to actually like move the needle forward on things, right? And so the very first thing that I would say is, Understand what you want to bring to the table, period, when it comes to building solutions around health equity. Are you the educator? Are you the builder? Are you the architect? Are you the convener? Are you like, I'm really good at bringing people together and I know that's my lane. I'm not the builder, right? 
So even just kind of doing that homework with yourself, no matter if you're going to start something yourself or build something inside of an organization, just kind of know yourself, you know, first, and then think about what you're going to bring to the table. Because to be honest, once again, you know, stability, you know, is, is always great. Um, and you have to ask yourself where you're at and what stage of life um, as well. But there could be some great opportunities inside the organizations if you know how to pitch your idea, you know, formulate some sort of, you know, framework around it. And then, hey, if you can have the resources, the leverage and the freedom to actually build something with resources, right, um, then that might be another avenue as well. I am definitely a, a fan of entrepreneurship, obviously. I'm also more of a fan of people being whole and having lives that are fulfilled, <laughs> to be completely honest, right? That's something that I've seen, and I'm sure many of us have seen over these past couple of years, is that it's not a game out in these streets. I mean, you know, people are here one day and go on the next. Um, we're not trying to be martyrs here. I just want to make that very clear. The problems and the issues that we've been seeing, you know, for decades are not going to be fixed tomorrow. And I would rather people to take a good look at how they want their lives to feel um, and to be filled with that can then be aligned with, you know, the decision to go out on your own or to build inside of an organization as well. One of the most critical ways you can help promote health equity is to make sure your health system is doing business with Black-owned companies. This creates career opportunities, builds generational wealth, and allows us to control our own resources. For our Buy Black Vendor Spotlight, we'd like to highlight our Scrub Boutique. They supply custom-made or gently used scrubs and healthcare accessories for more information, please go to www.scrubboutiques.com. Now, let's get back to our discussion. Well, for those who have applied the advice that you just shared, and they are deciding to take that leap, and they're like, yep, I want to leave this healthcare organization, I want to leave my position and start my own company. What steps should they take to ensure they're successful in those first 12 months? Okay, so you've decided to take the leap. Even before you decided to take the leap, have you kind of looked at what you want to bring to the table, right? What is your unique value add to the solutions that you want to bring to the table? You know, your expertise, um, your platform, just kind of taking that all into consideration um, as you go out there. Because, you know, once you hit the kind of entrepreneurial road, right? Especially at the beginning, you are the salesperson, you are the brand and the face, right? You're the storyteller, you're the builder <laughs> as well, right? That's something to think about. Um, the other avenue is that you're joining like as a, as a founding member of a startup, right? Um, so you're not just in solo founder mode, but like, you know, you've either presented an idea to a group of colleagues or friends, uh, and they're coming along for the ride with you. Once again, you're, you're learning what your lane is, and then how others can complement the vision on what you're doing, right? So obviously, that's really important to, to set in stone. And then think about who is coming along for the ride as far as like advisors. I'm really big on surrounding yourself with people that have done similarly things that, that you're interested in doing, and then, you know, having them, you know, kind of be a council, right? So there's a difference between having like a board and then like having an advisory council, for us, it was really important for me to have a circle of people that had influence in certain parts, had expertise in certain areas. For example, for me, Dr. Ivor Horn, who's now leading health equity actually at Google, she's been a longtime friend and colleague. 
um, but she's on our advisory council. So finding people that can actually stretch you, build credibility instantly for what you are getting out there in the marketplace can go a long way from you just kind of, you know, striking out on your own. Once again, having a sense of who you're building for. At the end of the day, entrepreneurship does not look like a straight line at all. <laughs> so you can have a concept of what you want to achieve. You get out there in the streets, you're like, uh, something's not clicking over here. You know what I'm saying? And once again, like in that first year, it's very important for you to just do that groundwork and validate, you know, is this actually hitting or not? Then you have to pivot. Then you might have to pivot again. So once again, even having a concept of, on who you're going to be talking to is going to be great because then you talk to them. Do not spend all your time in the lab coming up with some amazing, perfect thing, getting all the social media handles, yada, 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 and then going out there and hearing crickets. So have conversations. Is this a pain point that actually needs to be solved? And if so, with who? And then more importantly, are they willing to pay? <laughs> That's crucial because you're building a business, not a side hustle, not a hobby. I would also say, you know, financial security. Once again, going back to that first question, you want to feel good about runway. Jumping out there, you know, with maybe like two or three months of, of savings, not going to cut it. And once again, this is something when we're going back to that vendor conversation, especially in healthcare. And you, you all know this, right? It's a long cycle, long cycle, oftentimes to even feel like you're making any headway. Even the application to, to become a vendor can take, you know, six, eight weeks. And that's, you know, if you don't have, you know, maybe like a minority owned designation, definitely check into that, you know, have those credentials that can actually boost, you know, how you show up and how quickly you can move inside of an organization, especially if they have a diversity supplier program. But once again, like, make sure that you are financially secure to a point where, you know, by month three, you're not extremely scared for if you can, you know, put food on the table. Once again, you know, talked about, you know, whether you're a solo founder or if you're joining a team at a startup, understand, you know, what those kind of, you know, engagements rules are going to look like, right? You know, everybody's kind of locked in arms until things get messy. And then at that point, it's usually too late and people's, you know, feelings get hurt, all those kind of different things. So if you're joining a team at a startup, be very clear on your role, uh, compensation, you know, who's on tap to do what, um, that'll save a lot of headache and heartache. You know, lastly, uh, mental prep it's a long game. It's a resilience game. Um, and especially in that first year, there'll be a lot of disappointments. There'll be a lot of highs and lows, which is also why it's really important to have that circle of you know, advisors, but also really let your support system know, like, this is the journey that you're embarking on. Check in on me. A Starbucks gift card every now and then doesn't hurt. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, those are the kind of things that a lot of especially black professionals, right? Like we all also tend to just be like, okay, it's on me. I got to get this done. I got to grind. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a healthy way to do it. And then there's a very unhealthy way to do it. You are not an island. Do not start out that way because that's not how you will end up. Trust me. So mental prep for hardship, have resilience. Things will not go as planned. I guarantee it. Um, and then finally, you know, the self-care routine. Uh, this is something that I'm just now learning um, myself is that, you know, have a routine to ground yourself before anything else. And I know that can be tricky if you got little ones at home and all that kind of stuff, but like find one thing that really kind of grounds you into like being present and then move on from there. There's always going to be somebody that needs your attention or needs something else from you. But if you invest in yourself at the beginning, 
um, you know, make that a reality. Sage advice. <laughs> I love it. I wanted to go back to an earlier point that you made, and you talked about how entrepreneurship is not a straight line journey. The question is really about staying true to yourself throughout all of that, staying true to this idea that you have, this business concept that you have. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Like, at what point is it important to adapt and say, I have to make that change? And at what point does it become too much and you really start to lose yourself in the business that mm. you were starting to create? Mm. One of the things that I would advise with is like, you know, finding your why, like making sure that you are clear on the why on what you're doing, because that's the thing that's going to be your North star with, with whatever you do, because the business model can change, right? The, you know, like how things look will always change. But if you are still sticking to why you're doing something, who you're doing it for, that oftentimes helps you to continue course correcting. And then if you feel like, you know, one day you're like, you know, that that's all the way over there. My why is like all the way there. I'm over here now. I'm people pleasing. I'm doing this just because somebody validated me or validated like how I feel, but this is not feeling like I'm attached still to like my why or like why I'm doing this. Then that's usually, you know, time for you to say, okay, let me take a step back and like reevaluate. This is also a great reason why having a circle of people around you who are, you know, watching you. It's something to also be very mindful of, you know, that you're not going from scarcity mindset too, because you will fold, you will make compromises, and then it only takes a couple, right, to like be completely off course, right? And then basically you're just fulfilling piecemeal things for others. And so I would say, you know, making sure that you have your why in front of you as much as possible, and then you have built accountability around that. The last question is, what other advice would you have for aspiring Black healthcare executives? Yeah, um, there's always options. And what might be true for you in this season of your life may not be true in another season. And that's okay. That's what, you know, kind of figuring out is, is all about. So it's never just a, you know, a binary, I'm an entrepreneur now, or I'm not an entrepreneur now, right? Once again, figuring out your, your why and like what you actually want to accomplish, and then work backwards from that as far as what your options are. Um, the other thing I would say is, you know, once again, not trying to be a martyr out here, <laughs> right? I mean, you know, like your livelihood, your life, your family, uh, what brings you joy, like that's going to keep you going. Do not remove those things from your life um, just to pursue, you know, a concept to help make the world a better place. I know that sounds kind of cynical in a lot of different ways, but I understand, especially in healthcare, how quickly you can become jaded and how that can actually bleed over into other parts of your life. So, you know, make sure that you're not sacrificing yourself. Community is important. Pleasant, you know, we built the onboard health community. It's the ecosystem um, to build more representation into the world of health and care innovation. This is one of the things that I saw very clearly this past June, actually, when we went out to the Aspen Ideas Festival in Aspen, Colorado for their health program. And onboard health partnered with Verily, Google's life sciences division, uh, to curate a dinner in the mountains. Uh, with black and brown leaders in healthcare. So we had representation from people in philanthropy, in venture capital, the federal government, entrepreneurs, right? Like we had Iva Lee Sandino from Radical Health, Ashley Wisdom from Health and RQ, and we had the new CEO of the American Diabetes Association, right? All of these different facets coming together 
find community, find people who are building alongside of you, right? And then jump on in, introduce yourself, get plugged in. Um, and those relationships and connections usually turn into much bigger things. So, um, you know, our tagline is we all go up um, as Pleasant does amazing and, you know, catches, you know, wins and victories all over the place like everybody else does at the same time. And once again, you know, we're all moving forward to build a more equitable future of health. So it's a win for most of us who are trying to build that future. We all go up. That's how we're going to end. Mm -hmm. Andre Blackman, founder of Onboard Health. Thank you so much for sharing your insight on fixing health equity through entrepreneurship. Thank you so much. If you're a healthcare executive in Minnesota, Nebraska, the Dakotas, Iowa, Kansas, or Missouri who cares about health equity for people of color, please consider joining the National Association of Health Services Executives Heartland Chapter at nasiheartland.org. That is N-A-H-S-E heartland.org. For more episodes of the Heart of Equity podcast, subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcatcher. And while you're there, please leave us a comment. Thank you for listening.